I don't know what he's going to share this morning, but I know his heart's going to be passionate for Jesus and passionate for uh, Jesus' mission. So give it up for Steve Sutton. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's hope it's not heresy that I share. Eh? That would be, uh, be good. If I can avoid some heresy, that would be ace. Um, thank you so much. It's, it's great. Thank you for making us feel welcome. Wonderful to be in the second best church in Teesside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I have a funny thing about you guys. I've never met you properly, um, uh, but I can't have a bit of love for Jubilee Church Teesside. I started praying for you about five years ago now. About five years ago. I've, I got to know when we first moved to Middlesbrough, I got to know Paul Woodward quite well. He lives not far from um, my house, and, uh, and he'd regularly give me updates how you guys were doing and what you're praying for. We'd pray for your, you to have a new building quite regularly. Um, so I'm sorry, obviously it didn't work out too well, but, um, but keep praying for that, we'll keep praying for that. Um, but, and then I've got to know Raj and Simon and Sarush and, uh, and, and make good friendships with, with you guys. And I'm actually surprised at how many of you I do recognize and know from different places and different walks of life. So thank you so much. Um, we also have a real love for the New Frontiers movement because I owe you guys my marriage. Because um, Leah, my wife, who's out with the kids at the moment, um, she became a Christian at a New Frontiers church. Um, Hope Church Salford, it was called, which some of you have been around for a little while will remember Jeremy Simpkins, who used to lead this church, is that right? Well, he moved to Manchester after he left here, just as we were moving here, he moved to Manchester, and he took over Hope Church Salford, which became a Christ Central Manchester under his leadership. Um, and Leah, my wife, was, when they were first planted, she was their very first convert. Um, she was the first person, they did um, some street mission and a boyfriend took her along, he was a part of the church and, uh, and she gave her life to Christ through them. So I'm eternally grateful um, to the New Frontiers movement for my family and for my life as it is. So thank you so much. Um, it's wonderful to be here. Um, do you know how wonderful your leaders are, by the way? Um, your eldership is seriously awesome. Just, you can't say this about yourself, um, but you should really be thankful about your um, three elders and their families and your wider leadership team. You have a seriously amazing leadership in this church. Make sure you value them. They are really, really passionate about God and they are leading you in the way that they feel the Holy Spirit is directing them. So listen to them. Go under their leadership and really be thankful and pray for them as well, okay? I always try and say that when I go to other churches because you can never say that about yourself, okay? <laughs> you can say it a little bit, but not with too much authority. Um, do you want to get your Bibles out if you've got Bibles? Um, I think we've got a scripture on the screen as well. Um, We've got to do a little bit of work today, if that's okay. This isn't a kind of relax and let the words wash over you kind of a sermon. This is a, a, a listen. Keep up with what I'm saying, okay? There's some tough concepts, but if we get this, I think it begins to change things, okay? So here is, um, here's the scripture. Let me read this to you. This is what the Lord Almighty... Sorry, this is Jeremiah chapter 29, if you're finding it. Chapter 29, verse 4, okay, we're starting up. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, 
Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Let's just pray before we start. Okay, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge that you are here and and you have words of truth and life for us. And we want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take some of the words that are going to be spoken this morning and you would do that amazing thing that you do with it, where the words aren't just words that hit our ears, but they actually hit our hearts. They actually take on life within us that the words would become flesh in us, that we would live out what you want us to through this word this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. Thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. Okay, let's, um, let's feel some of what's going on here, okay? The year is 598 BC. There's a couple of you who remember that. Jerusalem, God's city, okay? The centre of God's nation. The place that is supposed to function and operate how God wants it to function and operate. The place that is under God's rule. The place where God is supposed to be king has now been invaded by a foreign army. It's been invaded. That place, Jerusalem, the place where God is supposed to be in charge has been invaded. The temple, the very dwelling place of the presence of God has been desecrated. Men, women and children have been murdered in the streets and all of the leaders of God's nation have been strapped in chains and marched off to a life of slavery in the city of Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remember Zion. You're supposed to join in, okay, guys? They sat by the rivers of Babylon. They're no longer where they were. They're no longer in Jerusalem. They're by the rivers of Babylon. And they gaze out on the southern horizon, remembering. Jerusalem. They are no longer there. These people are real. Feel some of this pain. They're hurt. They're battered. They're displaced. They're forsaken. They're forgotten. What on earth is going on? And now they are waking up to a brand new life in slavery in Babylon. They were in a place where God was in charge and now they're in a place where God does not seem to be in charge in any way, shape, or form. And so what does God say to this group of slaves? What does he say to them? He says this to them. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, sort out wives and husbands for your kids, and then they're going to have kids. 
chill out, increase in number, do not decrease. We're kind of like, what? You what? What on earth is God going on about all this gardening and baby making stuff? Does he even know what's going on? Has he been watching any of this stuff? We've been captured. We're now slaves. What on earth is going on? Do you know what I hear from God? Do you know what I want to hear from God in this circumstance? I want to hear, I want to hear revenge against Babylon. I want to hear salvation out of Babylon. I want some of that good Old Testament fire and brimstone language to use here. Okay? I, I, want, I want some angel of death stuff to kick off and get us busted out of here like it happened in Egypt. That's what I'm wanting. That's what I'm wanting to hear. And this is what God says. Gardening and baby making. God says, no. I know you want to be busted out of here, but I am not busting you out of here. This Babylon trip is not a short-term trip. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to unpack your suitcases. I want you to start making gardens. I want you to build houses. I want you to work out who your kids are going to marry, and then I want you to work out who their kids are going to marry, because you're going to be here for a long time. And this was my plan all along. You're staying, because I want you to stay. I want you, my people, in the middle of this city. So settle in, because you're not going anywhere. I have placed you in this land. You see, my temple might not be here. This, this city might not bear my name like Jerusalem did, but you are still my people. And you are called to be my people here in the middle of this city, in the middle of this land. No, it's not Jerusalem any longer. It's not the land of milk and honey any longer. It's not the promised land any longer. You are now in Babylon. So right here in the middle of Babylon, a city that does not know your God, I want you to be my people there. All right, okay. How do we do that then? I'll tell you how you do that. Verse 7. This is what you do. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. How do we do it? Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city that I have carried you to. You see, we're wandering around the city thinking, ah, this but this isn't, everything's not how God wants it to be. This isn't how it's supposed to be. It's not like Jerusalem any longer. How are we supposed to live here? He says, here's your command. Seek the peace and the prosperity of that city where you are. Now, a lot of you um, might know that the word that's used for peace here, seek the peace of the city, is a special word called shalom. You've heard of shalom before, Yeah got any Jewish friends, then you would have heard the word shalom before. Now, we translate the word shalom into peace. But it's almost, oh, peace is okay, but it's just too small for the word shalom, okay? There ain't no English word that contain what is going on with shalom. Shalom is a concept. 
Shalom is a massive, huge concept that no English word can contain, and it wants to bust out of that word. And I'm going to try and bust it out of that word for you this morning, okay? Shalom means peace, but it means everything is at peace. Everything is whole. Everything is complete. Let me explain further. Let's rewind. We go straight back to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. In the beginning, how did God create this world? He made it good, didn't he? He kept on, he made something, he stepped back and he goes, oh, it's good, it's oh so good. And he, he made it and there was order and there was creativity and there was work and there was harmony. There was harmony between God and people. There was harmony between people and people. There was harmony between people and the creation that lived there. It was so, so good. This harmony can be described as shalom. The world was in a state of shalom. It's utterly amazing. And so God says, seek the shalom of that city that I have carried you into exile. Seek the shalom of it. You know how things used to be before we messed everything up? Seek the shalom of that place that I've carried you into. Now the Bible uses a number of different images over it to describe this same reality really. Have you heard of the kingdom of God before, yeah? I've been singing about it a little bit. Some of you heard about the kingdom of God before. The kingdom of God is very similar images and concepts. Think about it. Back in Genesis chapter 1, why is everything so good? Why is it in this shalom state? It's because God is king. Because God's in charge. And God is a good God. And when a good God is king, things are really, really good. It all functions as God wants it to function. Because God gets his own way because he is the king of that creation. How long does this kingdom of God, shalom, state last? One page. Two chapters. (laughs) You're reading it, you're like... This is awesome. God's made an amazing world. And then you're like, turn the page. No! You've got this eating of the apple thing. Do you know what the eating the apple thing's all about? It's us sticking our finger up at God, not that finger, different finger, sticking our finger up at God and saying, I don't want you to be king anymore. I want to be king. And so we swap the kingdom of God for a million little tiny kingdoms of me. Do you know what the message of the Bible is all about? It's that when I'm king, when I've got the kingdom of me going on, things get broken. Shalom gets broken. And when the kingdom of God comes, when God is king, shalom is restored. Top tip from the Bible then. Make God king. Relinquish your claim to kingship over your life. Relinquish anyone's claim for kingship over anything apart from God. We want to make God king. As you travel through the Old Testament, by the way, I'm going to allow you to not read all of the Old Testament right now. I'm going to summarize it for you. It's basically one very, very long story that says when God's not king and you make yourselves king and you do things your way, things go wrong and they get really messed up. There's a lot of messed up stories in that Old Testament. 
where everything gets broken, and that's when we say we're in charge. And then everything works when we say God is in charge. Shalom gets restored. The kingship of God comes into place. And the Jewish people had this deep understanding that it was somehow their role to restore shalom. It was somehow their role to make God king again. But through heartbreak, hundreds of years of agony and heartbreak, they realized how rubbish they were at it. Just pants at it. They tried over and over again, and they failed over and over again. And so for hundreds of years, people called prophets and judges and poets would whisper things and write things. And they'd say, one day, one day God is going to become king again here. One day God is going to get his own way again here. One day the kingdom of heaven is going to be the same place as these kingdoms of earth once Again, one day there's going to be a new Adam. One day the garden's going to be remade. One day shalom is going to be restored. And you fast forward the story a little bit. What happens? Jesus comes. Jesus is born. Do you know what? We're about to celebrate Christmas. This is what it's all about. Jesus, all around his conception, all around his birth, there's all sorts of controversy. There's all sorts of whispers and rumors going on. Is, is this the guy? Is this the one that God is going to become king again through? Is this the one that God's kingdom is going to come on earth as it is in heaven again? And Jesus grows up and he starts walking around and he starts preaching and teaching. Do you know what he said? He said things like, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has drawn near. Because now I'm here and I'm Jesus. The kingship of God is coming back in again. You don't believe me? Let's, uh, can we bring up that next scripture? Is that okay? Let me just show you this. This is... Um, you're going to get it. Matthew chapter 4. We'll just read that first bit actually. We'll skip out the second bit. But from that time on, Jesus began to preach... Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. From that time on, right, this basically gives you a bit of context in Matthew for this. Jesus has just been baptized. He's just been commissioned. He's just been told, right, go and start your public ministry. And this is the next thing that we find out. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. So from now, from this time where his ministry starts to the end of the story, this is his main thing. This is what he was up to. He preached. Repent. Repent means turn around, by the way. It's not some fancy religious way of saying be really sorry. It means turn around. I was facing that way. I'm going to face this way back towards God. Turn around. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And guess what it looks like when the kingdom of heaven comes near? Look at that goes around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He starts healing every disease, sickness. Your blind people start seeing. Captives start getting set free. Outcasts start being welcomed in and cherished. That's what it looks like when Jesus becomes king again. When God is becoming king again, that is what it looks like. What is the good news? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God is becoming king again. Shalom is being 
restored again. Stop right there. Let that sink in. Because that's massive. That is a massive gospel. Now, yes, the gospel is, oh, my sins are forgiven because Jesus died for me. My sins are forgiven. Yes, they are. But I tell you what, the gospel is that plus a whole load more. It's not just about me having my sins are forgiven. This is about the cosmos. This is about the earth, the world, the land, the city, the towns, the streets that we live in being transformed by the kingship of Jesus Christ moving in. This is big. This is absolutely massive. Here's a really cool way of understanding the kingdom of God that we use in our church quite regularly. It is, it's the king's dome. It's the dome under which God gets his own way. It's the dome under which God is king and he rules and what he says goes. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, this is not just a decision to say, oh, I'm sorry, I want forgiveness. This is a decision to step in to the king's dome. And do you know what that changes? That doesn't just change my soul. It doesn't just change my spiritual life. That doesn't just change my Sunday mornings. That changes absolutely everything. I step into the dome in which Jesus is king. And when Jesus becomes king over something, he gets his way there. And I tell you what, it changes absolutely everything. Not just our churches, not just our spiritual life, not just our worship times, not just our prayer times and Bible study times. It changes everything that his kingship touches. What did Jesus say? He said, when you pray, so I'll teach you how to pray. You're not very good at it. I'll teach you how to pray. When you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, pray that that God would get his own way, the domain of God, the kingdom of God, the heaven of God, the dome of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's where he gets his own way already. We pray God gets his own way on earth. I love that, on earth. Not just in my soul, not just in my spirit, on earth. It's mud, the stuff that's underneath us on earth, in our city, in our town, in this land, down your streets, in your workplaces. May your kingship come. May the dome in which Jesus is king come to those parts of this earth. May your will be done here, Jesus. May shalom be restored in this land, Jesus. When you pray, pray, Jesus, will you get your own way with my bit of this earth, with my land? God told these guys in Babylon, seek the shalom of the city that I have carried you in to exile. There's God's way of doing things. There's God's shalom, there's God's heaven, there's God's kingdom going on. And we say, would you bring your way of doing things right here to this land? God become king again here. God restore shalom again here. Get your own way here. Don't be praying, can I go to heaven when I die? 
Jesus don't say that, you know. He doesn't say that. He says, get praying for heaven to come here right now. Do you know what? You've got amazing things about, amazing gospel about your hope after death. But one of the most incredible things about the gospel is that it's not limited to after you die. We get to say, heaven, come here. Heaven is not a future reality. Heaven is a present reality and we say, bring heaven here. The gospel is about heaven invading earth, heaven invading your marriage, heaven invading your workplaces, heaven invading your streets, shalom being restored in all of those places. Go back with me to Babylon. Um, what do you do when you find yourself living in a land, in a city that does not know God? A city where the dome of God's kingship has not come yet. A city where the brokenness of Shalom is really, really obvious. What do you do then? You become Shalom seekers. You become people of the kingdom who start bringing kingdom, start praying in kingdom, start, start working towards and seeking and hunting down shalom wherever you can. You spend your lives in that city, not praying to be busted out of that city, you spend your lives in that city working towards the transformation of that land. Let's bring this together a bit. This is our land. Teesside. Love the fact you got Teesside in your title. Jubilee Church, Teesside. Part of your identity is the land that you are on mission in. Middlesbrough, Stockton, Billingham, the surrounding areas. This is the city that we are commanded by God. Seek its shalom. This is the bit of earth that I stand on when I pray on earth as it is in heaven. This is the bit of earth that I pray that with. You see, this is what the church is. This is actually what the church is. The church is the people of God who are on a shalom kingdom mission in the towns and cities where they are placed. If you want to tweet something, tweet this. The church isn't about the church. The church isn't about the church. Church is about the kingdom of God. So often, for too long, in fact, the church has been about the church. All of our questions have been about the church. How do we do church better? How do we do this? How do we invest in church more? How do we do this? How do we get people to come to church? The church isn't about the church. The church is a group of people who are on a kingdom mission to the towns and the cities around them. You know, if you look after the kingdom, if you have your eyes focused on the kingdom of God, God will look after the church for you. <laughs> Jesus says he will build his church, not you. Church isn't even about church growth. It's a slightly controversial statement. The church isn't even about church growth. Church is about kingdom growth. Let Jesus worry about church growth. Now, sometimes those two things go in line. Sometimes those two things are the same thing. When church grows, kingdom grows. But not all the time, you know. Do you know what? If I need to keep the conviction that if it serves the kingdom of God in Teesside, that I march back to my church in Colby Newham after this and say, we're shutting it down. We're not meeting any longer. We're going to do something different. 
We're going to send you in different places. I need to keep the conviction that if that serves the kingdom of God more, then that is what we need to do. The church is about the kingdom. Jesus will look after the church. Now, as as Raj mentioned, and I think probably the reason that you've invited me to speak today is is because I get really excited about church unity. Um, That we are one church in this land. I get really, really excited. I believe with every fiber of my being that we will not see kingdom come in our land if we just look into our own churches, focused on our churches, hoping that this year maybe a few more people will visit our church if our preacher gets better and our band practices more. Should touch a nerve, because that's essentially what a whole load of us think. The kingship of God will only come when we start viewing things how Jesus views things. And when he looks at his church across the Tees Valley, (laughs) do you know what he sees? He sees his people. Sees his people, yeah, in different gatherings, yeah. But he sees his people, one people, with one king and with one mission to that same land. He sees, I've lost my place. I got too excited. (laughs) He sees his church scattered out across the Tees Valley, rubbed like salt into every nook and cranny of the lump of meat ready to bring flavor to those places, ready to be shalom seekers, ready to become kingdom bringers and kingdom carriers. Kingdom and shalom bringers to education in our city. Shalom seekers in the healthcare in our city. Shalom seekers in the care homes and down the shopping centers and in the small businesses our city. People who are saying, I want to see Jesus become king over my home. I want to see... Be- Jesus become king over my neighbor's home. I want to see Jesus become king over issues of homelessness and asylum seeking and poverty. I want to see Jesus become king in this land. That's what I want to see. That's what Jesus sees when he sees his church. He's not looking out and and going, oh man, they're doing okay. Maybe if they improved at their worship music, they'd grow a little bit more. He's not doing that. He's seeing his people full of so much kingdom potential, released under one king on a kingdom shalom-seeking mission. Do you know what? I'm, you can't tell the Baptist Union this, but I, I feel more allegiance and connection with you guys than I do with the Baptist church on the south coast. Because you are in my land. We're on mission together here. Yeah, I've, I've got some similarities with that Baptist church on the south coast. I've got some friends in churches. We do baptism in the same way. We do communion in similar ways and things like that. But they're not in mission with me here where I live. This is the bit of earth that when I wake up in the morning, I pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You guys are my brothers and sisters in that mission. You are my brothers and my... We've made brothers and sisters sound too holy, by the way. We've made it sound like, oh, hello, brother Raj. We've made it sound all posh and nice and and something like that. It's not. Brothers and sisters, this is like, this this is 
powerful language. This is Jesus saying, saying, you know that the blood that runs through your veins that links you with your brothers and sisters, when you step into the king's dome, you have got a deeper bond than any bloodline can come because you are brothers and sisters with fellow Christians. They've got the same king as you. They've got the same father as you. You are brothers and sisters on exactly the same mission. Now, about two weeks ago, um, uh, we, we gathered about 20 church leaders in Middlesbrough. Stockton do this as well regularly, but we gathered them in Middlesbrough for the first time in years to have a chat and to talk about things. And we had, um, we had churches represented from across the spectrum, seriously different styles of churchmanship, okay? So if we'd, had, if we'd posed questions like, um, you know, how do you do baptism, how do you do communion, those sorts of things, um, we would have had a lot of different answers, a range of different answers. But do you know the questions that we asked together? We said, what would this land look like if Jesus became king? And you'll, you'll verify this, Raj, Everyone's answers were united, completely and utterly united. We were like, yeah, we have exactly the same mission. We have exactly the same king. And when his kingship comes, we have very, very similar ideas about what that looks like. (laughs) Just amazing. There's a great awakening happening all across the world right now. where the walls that used to be around were denominations, where you'd say, I'm Baptist, you're New Frontiers, you're Methodist, you're this. Those walls are crumbling down. They are crumbling down. And the Holy Spirit is reminding the church that they are one people, under one king, in one mission, in the same towns and cities. Raj talks about this regularly to me, is that in, in the early church, they didn't write to Jubilee Church Teesside or Corbin and Baptist Church. When Paul wrote, he wrote, to the church in Rome. To God's people who are on mission in Rome. Guys, we need to start seeing ourselves as the church in Teesside. Jesus' kingdom shalom bringers in Teesside. Do you know what this means in practice, okay? Maybe you're thinking, oh, that's a nice idea, that's lovely. What this means in practice is when you're at work this week, when you're down your street this week, when you're starting to pray, kingdom come on earth, on this bit of earth, as it is in heaven, Jesus, have your way with this patch of earth. When you find out that there is another Christian down your street or in your workplace, guys, you have hit the jackpot. Because suddenly... It's not just you in mission in your office place and your workplace, but you get to run over to them, grab them and say, you're on mission. You're on the same mission as me and we're in the same bit of land. How buzzing is this? Let's pray together. Let's strategize together. Let's come up with some ideas. You might want to take it easy with some of them who haven't listened to this sermon. but You might freak them out a little bit. But guys, ah, oh, you are on mission with brothers and sisters who are scattered all over this city. You're in partnership with them. If you work in the hospital, I encourage you, start tracking down other Christians in the hospital and start saying, we're on the same mission. Do you want to pray about kingdom come in this hospital? If you work in a small business, maybe find another small business leader who's a Christian and say, do you know what? we've got a network here, we've got small business networks here, we need to start chatting, we need to start praying, we need to start strategizing. How does Jesus become king over the businesses of Teesside? 
Do you see this? This is suddenly so much bigger than how good Andy is performing on a Sunday morning. And Andy performs very, very well. (laughs) But it's a whole load bigger than that. I want to just invite you to close your eyes. I want to pose that same question that I posed to the church leaders of Middlesbrough a couple of weeks ago. But I want you to have a little bit of earth in your mind. What is the little bit of earth that God has placed you in? What's the workplace? What's the street? What's the shopping centers? What's the networks? What is the little bit of earth, the land, the city that God has placed you in? What if Jesus got his own place, his own way, sorry, his own way with that place? What would it look like? If the dome of God's kingship came over that place, how does it change things? Guys, that's your mission. What you've got in your head right now, that is what you are commanded by God to go and seek, to work after, to pray for, to hunger after Seek the shalom of that place. Can we stand together and can we pray? Is the band going to come up in a set and play behind me? I want us to pray together because we are, we are the church in this city. You're my brothers and sisters. You're my partners in this. Should we pray for this land? Should we pray that Jesus becomes king over this land? Should we pray that shalom would start spreading like an infection across this land? Let's pray. Come, Lord Jesus. In fact, should we just speak out our prayers all at the same time? Let's just speak prayers. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to bring your kingship to this land. We speak into our workplaces, into our homes, into the hospitals, into the small businesses, into the education sector, into the council. Lord, we want to pray that your kingship would come, that heaven would be on earth, that heaven would be on earth, that shalom would be restored. This is our land. This is our place. We are your church. We are on your mission. You are the king. You are the king. You are the king. Come on. Come on. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to pray for the church across Teesside. They are meeting this morning all over Teesside. There are gatherings all over Teesside right now going on, happening today where your people are being filled up with your spirit. They're receiving from your word. And God, we want to pray your blessing upon them. We want to pray that you would release them by your Holy Spirit into your mission to bring shalom and kingdom transformation to their places. 
The potential is huge. Lord, we pray that you would spark off unity. Lord, we pray that brothers and sisters would unite in mission together over this city. The brothers and sisters would look at themselves differently. They wouldn't see a traditional Christian and a progressive Christian. They wouldn't see that. They'd see a brother and a sister on the same mission with the same king and say, we're partners. How do we partner together to see that happen? Come, Lord Jesus, we need you for this. We need you for this. This is your kingdom. We're called to pray it in. And so we pray it in. We pray it in. Jesus Christ, come. Lord, I want to pray for Jubilee Church Teesside. I thank you for them. I thank you that they are a kingdom people. Thank you that they have a kingdom culture. They are shalom seekers. And Lord, I pray a blessing of abundance from Colburn Ewan Baptist Church to Jubilee Church Teesside, a blessing of abundance and fruit and life and growth in the kingdom. Lord, would you light a fire in their hearts, light a fire under their bottom if it needs to be, so that they head out into the community, into their workplaces, their homes, their streets this week. And they bring your kingdom. Amen.